I'm trying to write movies. It's fucking hard, man. And it got even harder this year because they released a movie on DVD. It was made in 1977. They never released it. It just now got put out on DVD this year, and it's called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. I'm not making... Go IMDb this. This is a real movie. Deathbed, The Bed That Eats People. And it's about a bed that's evil and it eats people. That's the whole movie. Hi everyone, welcome back to this Don't Watch This Film, the podcast where we watch some of the worst horror movies in history, especially this week, so that you don't have to. My name is W. Adam Clark. No. No. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it this week. Are you kidding me? This is not even close to justifiable. Oh, you're going to say, oh, it was 1977. Oh, they were still getting their rhythm. No, 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 no. In an era of Dario Argento, Ridley Scott, Robin Hardy, Steven Spielberg, this, you know, indie filmmaker you might have heard of named George fucking Romero, we get this? I have forgotten my identity. No, no, no. This movie ate my fucking identity. My identity does not exist. Sometimes they call me Tia, and we are talking about... A movie I suggested for which I am so, so sorry. Do you want to know the worst thing about this right now? I guarantee you, by the end of the year, this won't even be the worst movie we've reviewed. Mathematically, numerically speaking, this won't even be the worst. The odds of this being worse than the next 45, 46 movies we still have to go through... It's a slim chance something's going to be even worse than this. I don't know if that's encouraging or depressing. I know. It's we both. Are, we are talking about the 1977 thing that exists known as, and I'm not kidding here, Deathbed, the bed that eats. And to say this is a 1977 movie is weird because it's both a 1977 movie and I think, what was it, 2003? 2004? I don't know. Was there another one that was called Deathbed? No, 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 no. Well, we'll go into it. We'll we'll go into it when we get to the point where we go into it. But for now, please try to give your synopsis of Deathbed, colon, The Bed That Eats. Uh, Before I get into this, I would just like to tell our lovely listeners, who I appreciate more than life itself, there might be some rants ahead. Just letting you know that ahead of time. Oh, and by the way, guys. Just in case this movie sounds bad enough that you might want to check it out, this one lives up to the name of the fucking podcast. Do not watch this movie. Don't go, oh, this sounds interesting. Oh, they're just trying to do some reverse reinforcement. No, 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 no. Put down the Google search. Don't look this up. Don't order it. Don't pay for it. Don't get it. Just, just listen. Don't watch this movie. And you would think that I would know better because I initially was, I initially heard about this movie (laughs) from 
a comedy bit from comedian Patton Oswalt during his special Werewolves and Lollipops, where he turned this into a comedy bit. Now, normally, comedians do not have bits about things that are pristine, that are excellent products, and you would think that would have been a tip-off, but no, me, intrigued by the title, which I was, decided to go through and find a film about... Okay. On the plus on... side, I think this is our first foreign film. God, our inaugural foreign film is this piece of shit. It's at a very low bar. Everyone oh. else should be fine. You can trip I... over this thing. Oh, God. I, I owe so many apologies to so many filmmakers right now. It's not even funny. Okay. So what the hell does the plot of a film called Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, entail? Does it involve a bed? It does. Does the bed eat people? Yes, it does. Is that the entirety of the plot? I don't even think they get that far. <laughs> so, and initially, when they started talking about demons and rituals and stuff, I was like, okay, maybe there's something salvageable here. What happened is that way back when in Yonder Days, they don't tell when because time doesn't exist. They go on a about a story about a demon who was first in a tree and then became the wind, and he came upon this really pretty maiden girl thing and he wanted to seduce her so he built a bed to seduce her she came because that's always be the first way you woo a woman right a furniture be jumping right to the fucking bed like that makes sense right that that's definitely a right call i'm sorry i did not mean to interrupt please continue oh please by all means it's more entertaining than the shit i had to watch so she comes to him they perform the act and she dies during because a demon and a human apparently are not compatible physically. Apparently, that grieves him to the point of crying tears of blood onto this bed, which causes it to absorb her life force, her essence, and then apparently given hunger. The ending of the movie is where this stuff is actually explained and the explanation is awful so I apologize if I seem vague but I'm and not trying to. by I... the time you get to this you are so checked the fuck out that you don't care anymore. I really don't. So from that single which admittedly on its face not the greatest but I could have seen something actually being done with that premise. I mean, demon bringing something to life, like you you can you can take those words and like do something with them. You can. I've seen it done. There there's actually a lot of meat involved in this story. Like you could tell really good story, a really engaging movie with this premise. And pretty much even this movie, shot for shot, if you just did all the shots better. Like, there is something here that could be a really, really good movie. And as I've said before, nobody sets out to make a bad film. They set out to make the best film they can. And sometimes the best film they can is a bad film. This is that movie. Yeah, it sure is. So, basically, as the bed has been moved from location to location, has eaten, you know, figures of note, random nobodies, etc., etc., eventually it settles on its current location, which is in the middle of a dilapidated castle somewhere. Uh, I say somewhere because they don't clarify time, place, or anything. It's the 1970s, that's all we got. And um, really, you don't even have that. You just have very specific 70s fashion very specific 70s vehicles so you know the movie takes place in the 70s 
they never say, hi, we're in the 70s, but the 70s are so quintessential that there's no way to avoid something in the 70s being in the 70s, even if you're trying to set it in the 1600s and filming it in the 70s, it's obviously the 70s. Oh, yes. If, if there's ever a 70s aesthetic, this movie absolutely has. So what comes to pass is that, you know, the bed is, you know, lost, obscured, and forgotten. Occasionally people are drawn to it because Spooky Castle, ooh, that must be a fun place to have sex in, which I'm not kidding. That's the first vignette we see. The narrator is one of the victims of the bed who apparently, and I didn't know this until after the fact, because we get, we get, the occasional first name of a character, and that's all we get. So apparently this artist, or this person that is narrating and is actually talking to the bed, because apparently the bed kept him alive. We don't know why. He's never done this with any other victim. But it's apparently an artist known as Aubrey Beardsley. Uh, no. <laughs> Although you're close... That was what the wiki said. If the wiki is lying to me, I apologize. This movie is awful. It's corrupting okay. even Wikipedia. The wiki is slightly incorrect. The artist is the artist and is only credited as the artist who dies of tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. In the room, the art which is shown is the art of Audrey Beardsley, who also died of tuberculosis. Okay, so we're never told it's him. It's just that's the that's the uh, illusion they were trying to get at that. Yeah, that's they okay. were trying to, I guess, pay an homage to Audrey Beardsley with what they were doing. But I don't think the artist is actually supposed to be Audrey Beardsley because Audrey Beardsley died in 1898. In I did notice England. that. So. And the time doesn't quite line up with, well, okay, died in 1898 in France, originally from the, from the UK. But the time doesn't line up for the artist to have been Audrey, uh, Aubrey, and the artist doesn't quite look like Aubrey, but kind of looks close. But it basically just fuck this film. Please continue. I, yes, we actually have to dissect what the hell the movie was trying to get across while we're discussing the movie. That's yeah. how... It's so hard to tell if the movie wants the artist to be Aubrey or if the movie wants to pay homage to Aubrey with an artist who dies in a, same, in a similar manner or if the writer-director just really liked the work of Audrey or if... Uh, of Aubrey, rather, or if the work was just accidentally placed there like who the fuck knows in, in all honesty the artist deserves a hell of a lot better than even being alluded to in a fucking movie like this so be, on behalf of the dead i humbly apologize there we go so he's the one who is giving us narration even though he's just talking to and about the bed so we just get listened in on it the film begins this exploration of a sentient bed that eats things for 50 seconds of nothing but chewing sounds and then a title card that says breakfast because apparently they were trying to have cohesion breakfast lunch dinner and then the just desserts at the very end god you can't make this shit up if you're fucking higher than anyone who's ever been high we get presented with shots of a castle we get and this is not the first time nor will it be the last egregious day for night shots just awful i mean they weren't even trying I mean, they weren't trying at all, ever, at any point, but, like, especially that. They start out with a couple. Actually, it's more like a boyfriend and dragging his girlfriend along to come to see the spooky castle because that's 
a sexy thing you did because you didn't have a lot to do during a fucking gas shortage, I guess. The first thing to remember is that assume that this movie takes place in the year it was shot slash the year after that. So assume this movie takes place in 1976 or 1977. Let's just assume that wherever these people were and by that I mean both the characters as well as everyone involved in the production itself, let's just assume there was a ridiculous amount of drugs involved. Because it's the only thing that even remotely makes sense. Sober people don't come up with this. They don't come up with these rationales. They don't do things this way. So just assume that everyone in this movie is smoking dope and move on from there well, actually it was the 70s so it was probably cocaine fair i mean yeah i mean it's, uh, this movie doesn't feel like it's cocaine fueled it's too spacey for that but I, whatever that's, that's... whatever they were working it was working oh so the first breakfast as you, if you will is this boyfriend dragging his girlfriend along to a castle to show her oh look it's a spooky castle and you know presumably have sex in it there is a very large amount of shot repeat shot in this movie because if you're gonna save money that's the first place you do it things like trying to open a door with two handles that are clearly locked and you, i know how you are about continuity so i would imagine you would have seen this where they zoom out to show the window and the left side door is completely open yeah my other favorite is when they tried to do it when they tried to do a door handle on a single door and reused the double door shot. Oh yeah, and, and that happens more than once. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see the second handle for the door that's not there when they zoom back out. Oh, goodness gracious. Okay, that's ex ex what we're working with. So they come in and for some reason there's a very large amount of everyone who comes in also brings food. I'm guessing that's just a tie in with a central theme. But apparently when you're bringing someone to a random dingy castle to stumble across a bed to have sex in, the things you bring are apples, wine, and fried chicken. I mean, that check. I'm okay with that. I mean, I know I keep a basket full of apples, wine, and fried chicken in my car. I mean, it's just, it's just a thing you have to do. So, I mean, that checks out. Okay, so if you're ever stranded somewhere, you're going to survive. Got it. Hey, fat man's got to eat. And we're about seven minutes in. This is where my notes started. Oh, God, and I took so many, and I shouldn't have. So... Aside from the egregious acting where nobody cares about any kind of delivery, gravitas, ambiance, even when you're trying to have sex, the woman could not look less interested or more bored. I've, I like, seriously, that's wow. So you've blown right beyond the synopsis and we're just going right into discussing things that are wrong. Like you're, you're just done with the synopsis. Uh, if you want to go ahead and give some numbers on this piece of shit, but to be completely, okay. completely honest, Bed Eats Things, The End is kind of a short synopsis. Okay. So. Slightly longer synopsis. Bed Eats Things. Bed is infused with the power of a demon that cried on it, which is why the bed is sentient. And every... After killing its, its human lover during the act of lovemaking. Yes. And then every 26 years for like two hours the bed loses all of its power because the demon wakes up because the demon and wakes start... up for two hours and then rolls over and goes back to sleep i don't fucking know there's some dumb shit going on surprise conveniently enough that two hour span is the last 10 minutes of the movie because of course it is and then they destroy the bed. Okay, so it's not really a much longer synopsis, to be fair. Really, I mean, you know, 
what else what else can you say you know demon let's talk numbers and then we'll get into details this movie doesn't have one because it never hit a movie theater ever as far as genre um i mean it calls itself surrealist horror yeah i'm arguably surrealist horror realistically bad filmmaking which really should be a genre unto itself moving on movie was directed by george barry who thankfully never ever directed anything ever again was written by george barry who thankfully never ever wrote anything ever again this was his magnum opus and it was very much a minus opus release date and this is where i said a couple different options either 1977 which is the copyright date or technically 2010 the first time the film was actually aired which was at festival otrail de vlaca in the czech republic i'll explain how that all happened later because that's a story in and of itself most of the cast involved in this while continuing to work in film never acted most of them this is their one acting credit and we can all agree their careers would have been better with one less acting credit the exception is demean hall who played diane who is also miss biddle in men of honor judge jonas in crimes of the past and maria higgins in the tent sharon's brother notice we haven't mentioned sharon yet sharon's brother is played by william russ who is best known for playing aaron matthews in boy meets world dennis vineyard in american history x oh and... god he was the dad yeah. in boy meets... yeah it's the dad in boy meets world holy shit wow. and what i recognized him from detective danny quince in the rudker Hauer movie wanted dead or alive this oh, was actually... obviously his claim to fame right here okay so he actually broke free and had somewhat of a successful film career yes okay well we will not hold this against him by any stretch of the imagination because nobody could have known julie ritter who played suzanne in this who after this never acted again and did composer work in films linda bond who played the original love interest who was resurrected who after this never acted again and did special effects in the movies wishman uh, sorry wishman cannonball run 2 and the natural dave marsh who was the physical embodiment of the artist who after this was a writer and second unit director for project gray and dead heat and rosa luxemburg who plays sharon the arguably main character who never ever did another thing after this ever the bed that eats ate her career the voice of the artist which is why i said things in the odd way that i did before is patrick spence thomas who is most known for his sound work on strange horizons the rainbow boys and wishful thinking so again never wanted his face shown in public after this which i gotta say not the worst decision it's ironic because he was just the voice of the artist so we never saw him anyways right? the budget for this we don't know but i'm going to tell you it was not much box office gross zero dollars because the film was never released in the box office running time one hour 17 minutes so 77 minutes total i'll never get it back never, never get it back I'll, I'll try but no according to rotten tomatoes this movie has an audience score of 30 
It has no critical review score because the movie was never critically reviewed because it was never released in theaters. How three out of ten people gave this movie a positive rating, I will never know, and I'm glad I don't know who any of them are because I would have to send them very nasty letters. IMDb gives this movie an even more impressive score of 4.3 out of 10 based on 2200 user ratings. I don't understand how it, it, I, I just even, don't know. Even ironically, this is nowhere near the score this fucking thing should have. No, ironically, you give it a three out of 10 at best. At best, four out of ten. Like it's just uh, on a scale from one to bad. This is very, very solidly bad. Oh, Christ. Okay, so those are the hard facts that we could come up with. Some I, I read somewhere. I think Wiki had it listed like the estimated budget for this when he first scraped everything together was like thirty thousand. I'll believe it. I don't. Um, there is no way this movie cost thirty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy-seven money. That's a ridiculous amount of money. He's trying to tell me that this movie cost $10,000 more to produce than the original Night of the Living Dead? No. Sorry. Not buying it. Actually, that makes a whole lot of sense. Okay, so we, yeah, we legitimately don't have and can't believe the numbers that were given as far as what it took to make this movie, if we can even call it that. So, I just stumbled across a review that gave this movie a 7 out of 10. I'm not lying, and I am... I am offended. Is it is that a satirical review or are they nope. being legitimate? I recommend it strongly to all fans of Outre Cinema. I mean, sort of, but even for That's Outre, still there's still a lot out of better. 10. There's still a lot better, lot more aware films for Outre Cinema that you can suggest than this one well i can tell you right now um spoilers uh our, i don't think our ratings are going to be anywhere near that generous no 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 no. this movie gets a one <laughs> and a one out of many they start out with this couple walking in to again the most disinterested couple in the world the building locks them out he 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 and then lets them in they find the bed they sit on the bed he wants to have sex she could not give less of a shit i mean there's no justification there's no point a to point b i don't even know if they had a point b i think they had point a and just kind of let it just go from there point b was being eaten that was it We'll say, first of all, and I need to apologize for saying this, I am a huge sucker for practical effects. I've said that before. And this film is nothing but practical effects because they didn't, that was it. That was all they had. Some of them, and I will get to specific ones, are not god-awful. I mean, for the time period, for the budget, some of them are actually really, really good. I think the inventive use of an expansion foam for the bed that Bile. eats. yeah eating things mm -hmm. i i think that was somewhat inspired i mean there was some mm -hmm. there was some good things here they literally use that foam to make it see and they and they color it yellow if it's not already colored yellow it, it generally to simulate it, that, mm -hmm. that's that's the color it starts to simulate bile as it's salivating to start eating things and dissolving them that is not a bad choice aesthetically that actually is pretty damn effective they try and i guess this this ties in with the whole surrealism thing they try to make it symbolic when the uh, first couple are on the bed 
you know, getting busy. There's a very obvious, it's at, it's at seven minutes in, there's a very obvious apple in the foreground with symbolism, sex is bad, you're going to die, Adam and Eve, blah, blah, blah. They're very direct about it, but I can understand why some people might have thought that counted as, like, surrealist depiction. Yeah, it's not. It's not, but they tried. <laughs> the apple getting dissolved is a really cool effect. One of the things that they did was they hint at the bed being evil by dissolving, like, the foodstuffs first before it goes after the actual people in the bed. And they do that by, it's a really shallow pool that's also colored yellow that has bubbles and stuff running into it. I also think they used Alka-Seltzer tabs to simulate dissolving, which is really, again... Some of the ideas were extremely inventive for what they had to work with. That's as close to praise as I'm going to give this fucking thing, but they did. When, for example, it's eating the apple, the apple comes back with just, like, the core and, like, dangly bits off of it. Bottle of wine gets absorbed, and it uncorks, and you see it flowing out into the yellow liquid that's supposed to be this thing's stomach. I thought that was actually looked pretty damn cool. And, I mean, at minute 9.14, you get 70s boobs, if you're into that. 70s boobs you do see their deaths off screen which i can promise you was to save money because those are the only deaths you see off screen literally it closes the curtains around or maybe it was to be more dramatic because that's when the credits of the film start getting going um yeah, i think it was to try to save the reveal until after the credits literally in this case uh which is odd because it's supposed to be surrealism so why are we doing things literally however it doesn't really deliver and when you see this feminine arm hanging off the bed with blood dripping onto a candle, like if you're trying to be subtle, you miss the mark entirely. Right, exactly. Also, um, if the bed mm is dissolving things, why do we hear the sound of teeth crunching through the mass of the apple? And make, there's a lot of that. Make up your goddamn mind. Does this bed dissolve things or does it have teeth? Because you make it dissolve things all the time and then go cookie monster style nom 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 over top of it. And I'm like, you, you just can't decide what you're doing. And it's Pick bad. One. Pick one. Pickling. Damn it. Pickling. And there's also, I mean, there's snoring, there's yawning, there's giggling, there's. They. I initially thought they were going to go for just sound effects of, like, the death and consumption. Right. When they opened with, like, chewing sounds and then snoring, I'm like, oh, God, they're making this damn thing sentient, are they? I mean, the bed that snores probably would have been a more accurate answer or a more accurate title for the movie. So those are the first Those are the first opening. That's the opening. That's the first ten minutes. Um, we get featured to the artist narrating over clips of stock footage from the 1920s with spinning uh, newspapers saying how these weird murders are taking place. The mayor of some city we're never told the name of is dead. Basically establishing that this ancient uh, evil, apparently, has a history of just consuming things wherever it's at god and then we get to 14 minutes in there's the lunch segment of the movie again they try to make this they try to make this vignette because artsiness is a thing so they have some actually pretty damn nice shots of a car driving up to where the castle is right now after the bed has apparently torn the castle down in its hunger because 
they needed to pad the runtime somehow. Um, also, they just infer that the bed has the strength to destroy an entire building and make it entirely cease to exist and just disappear. And now it's just in this one room that is kind of like a cellar that was under the building. Like a servant's that, quarter or like a side, yeah, side like and wood or just, something. Not, none of it none of it hits home not not even remotely it's just it's just there spent more time while this movie was actually playing trying to figure out what the hell car they were driving because it looks so nice they drive a really nice i think it's a cadillac but i'm not sure you get very fuzzy shots of like the back end of it and i don't know car bodies that well to be able to tell all i know is that the car is the nicest goddamn thing in the movie I mean, pretty much. So it's a group of friends, and they they talk about driving up with this one girl who's a little weird they don't like, and of course she is the first to get eaten when she takes, you know, when she, you know, takes a nap. So this is about, at, like I said, at minute 14 or so. Uh, my next note doesn't begin until minute 26 because that's how nothing happens. They walk around the forest, they talk, they smoke. At least one character does. And also so um, much of this is delivered from the point of view of the artist which his spirit is stuck in the wall behind one, one of, of his, his paintings. paintings which hangs over the bed that eats so after having established this bed is you know just there to eat people apparently at one point one of its victims it decided to keep its spirit alive in this half dead state kind of we don't know why it has never done this before or since and we come to find out later that this dead artist spirit gets presents from the people that are eaten. Bits of jewelry that were on their bodies. One of the girls is a smoker. He gets her cigarettes when she's dead. There's no cohesion. And I don't know why I'm trying to find any. I mean, it's almost like there's the allusion to the idea that the artist isn't really alive, but the mentality of the artist the essence of the artist is still there which i think is kind of where they're trying to go with it they're trying to make some surreal expression about the essence of art surviving death and thus the artist even when consumed by the bed and or tuberculosis somehow remains and the bed offers him trinkets mostly jewelry but offers him trophies because of the value of art or i'm really stretching because i you're, know they had putting, to have a reason and I, you're putting I, more thought and effort into it than i think they did i probably probably i mean it's a fair point and honest to god i kind of almost wish the writer who's also the director who's also the producer who would have guessed i wish he had thought that far ahead because that actually would have made this pretty damn good Right, it, But uh, the reason my notes jump from 12 minutes ahead is because that's when the visuals start coming in that are at least interesting enough to talk about and aren't just random shots that are of a forest or egregious day for night shots or just nothing is this where happening. Is starts talking about all of the former victims of... No, no, we're not even there yet. Oh, okay. I found interesting stuff for me to talk about around 26 minutes in. They don't start talking about the previous victims and stuff like that until like 40-something in, or like 30-something in. Yeah, see, I watched this um, movie like two weeks ago, so most of it is already just a blur, probably for the you, best. And there's no jury on this planet that will convict you for doing so. So, 
At 26 minutes, that's when we start getting some visuals when he starts killing the one girl that the other girls don't care for. Bullying is bad, hashtag, I guess. And they they start showing the, the bed giving her nightmares. So the bed is not only sentient, but malicious. And he starts giving her nightmares involving... I have a thing with worms, specifically. This wasn't too far off, but that's like a real bad aversion trigger for me. He gives her a nightmare of presumably her mother giving her a bowl full of crushed moth beetles. And it shows her spooning up like a larva and her eating it. I had to turn my head because ew. It's a pretty impactful visual. I will give it that. If they were just trying to be disgusting, congratulations, you fucking succeeded. But that leads into the actual killing of the girl and the way he does that i say he the 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 bed is given a male voice that's just what i'm going on even though it was awakened by the spirit of a woman so again continuity i don't know why i'm looking for it she's wearing a tiny cross and she's wearing a delicate chain that the cross is being held by what he does is he pulls the cross part of it into his stomach and starts rocking the chain back and forth on her throat to open it now if you know anything about these delicate jewelry chains, your neck is so much mass, and these things are so small and delicate, that doing this to try to garrote someone would break the chain before it would ever start opening skin. And even if it didn't, somehow, because this single one is made out of, you know, unobtainium or something, she'd wake up. The bed has no ability to keep people asleep. There's no analgesic properties to anything the bed does. As soon as you start getting choked to death in your sleep, by the thing you're sleeping on, you wake up. I'm willing to go out on a limb with that one right there. I've never had the experience personally, but I'm willing to bet if my bed was trying to kill me, I'd wake up. Maybe we're giving ourselves way too much credit in this case. But anyways. Right, better us than the film. Better us <laughs> than the film. So they start showing Red appearing where it's it's choking her and trying to cut her throat open. And then she sinks into it. And they do show not... They don't show the process, but they show her getting sucked into the bed stomach and dying. And then they show her skeleton with her hair still intact. I guess so you know that it was her because God knows you'd be dumb enough to mistake the person you just saw die for the skeleton in the... Anyways, there's another girl in the group that they've alluded to that the bed has an aversion to. Like, it makes it sick. His stomach, that makes up the majority of his being, I guess, ends up bleeding when this one girl from their group, who's not the girl that he's killing here, is close by. So, at first, I thought, okay, maybe he's bothered by the crosses, because all of them are wearing them, except the main the other main girl of this group. But no, it's not crosses, because there's literally a cross in his stomach as he's killing this one girl. Nothing, no ill effect happened. What's interesting is that as he dissolves away her belongings, because it's not just flesh, it's not just food items, it's apparently anything he feels like, there's a shot of Pepto-Bismol in her bag and it opens and pours into its stomach which i thought was actually kind of cute yeah i mean again that Aww. was one of those shots they did they that was creative like oh poor thing has an upset tummy we feel bad for this sentient i feel bad furniture. for this sentient creature because it was stuck in this film 
<laughs> so here is where they start focusing on the history of the bed, the history of the bed's victims. Right after this, they show a old woman who apparently had lived in the house where the bed was at. And for 1977, I think this is actually pretty damn cool. They show an older woman, maybe late 50s, early 60s, actually reading a newspaper print of lesbian porn. And I'm really not kidding. That's actually what they show. Yep, 100%. And as she's being dissolved, one of her other reading materials we find is a book called The Tropic of Cancer by Henry Miller. Now, if you don't know anything about that book, I'm going to tell you that that book was one of the Huckleberry Finn level scandals of its day Mm -hmm. because it is extremely graphic in its depictions of sex and it was written in the 1930s that book has a history and i thought it was i again there are some points i can give this film for creativity i don't want to it doesn't deserve them but i have to be honest yeah it's a book that has been on banned book list and probably still was at the time this movie came out mm-hmm. the book itself is today highly regarded for its literary depictions however at its time of release and for the next half century was generally considered tawdry and it's not even and and yes i've read pieces it's not even necessarily explicit like we would consider explicit but for 1930 era oh god yes it would it caused scandals also there's one thing i noticed and i don't know if it's again trying to be symbolic symbolism inducing there's a lot of focus on women's nails in this movie that could very well just be a director thing. Ace. because Who knows? But there's a lot of focus on nails that are bleeding, nails in general, nails being painted, nails well, being bitten. There's a lot of focus on hands, which again, okay, that's fair. we don't know if it's the bed. We don't know if it's a surreal comment. We don't know if it's, again, a reference to art because remember the one person that the bed kept the memory of alive was an artist someone who creates with their hands when the bed is trying to defend itself it destroys someone's hands there are all kinds of things with fingers and fingernails there is very much a digi fetish going on in parts of this we very well could be (laughs) we very well could be giving the movie credit for what just ended up being the director's fetish but that's neither here nor there you know there's numerous references like in you know 38 minutes in the bed gets an orgy because why the hell not why not they were all over the place one of the final bits in this montage of seeing people die is two gangsters who are playing cards on it and as they're dealing cards, the bed, and this is, again, I, I hate complimenting this fucking movie. I hate doing it. It's this very clever manipulation. The guy, they're playing five-card draw, I believe. And he put the one guy who's smoking a cigar, there's two men. One guy puts his cards down to kind of just reflect on what he's going to do because he's given a shit hand. When he comes back and pulls his cards back up, there's a joker, a three aces and another card, I believe. And written at the top is, ha-ha, you are dead. And just taking that snapshot, it's actually really fucking creepy. Yeah. Never um, mind the fact that there's absolutely no explanation for how the bed that eats suddenly became the bed 
that card sharks or the bed that writes on things without having a fucking pen. But aside from why... that, it was a really well done scene. Aside from the fact that the scene can't possibly happen in the first place, it was a really well done scene. We also don't know why it became Deathbed, the bed that puppeteers dead people's souls either. So, I mean, you know, the premise is out the window. But the reason I'm bringing up this particular scene is because as he's sitting there, they both start getting dissolved. You see the bile coming up out of the bed. And the one guy pulls out his gun and starts shooting it, showing guns to be completely ineffective. So guns are not maybe anything mortal, but especially weapons are not hurting this thing. Guns so that's what they're establishing. The or snores. As... <laughs> Or does card tricks. Or does card tricks. As the one guy is watching his business partner, kind of maybe, get dissolved, he pulls the gun out of his hand and starts trying to shoot after seeing that's been effective. And he goes, oh, God, I'm being eaten alive. Except it's more like, oh, God, I'm being eaten alive. In the most disinterested voice possible. No actor in this piece of shit could be fucked to give a damn about their performance. Also, did you notice that when both of the gangsters are shooting at the bed and they're both doing the old cinema push the gun a little bit so that the sound guy has a cue for when you're shooting kind of thing? Only... That is that? Is that why they did that? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's to give the sound guy a cue for where for where the the gunshot's supposed to be when you're not actually using blanks, so that you don't actually have smoke. So wow, I did not even notice that, but holy shit! Yeah, so both of the guys are doing the bang 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 with the gun. There's only one foley track. It lines up with one of the shooters. The other one's gun apparently has a built-in silencer. I I did not know that about behind-the-scenes filmmaking. That's why I love doing these with you because you know shit like that. Yay. Um. But just it, oh god! So basically, the gun is being used as a prompt for the sound guy, apparently, and the other guy could not be, you know, could not give less of a shit that he's being eaten, and then he is. Pass by a few more scenes of just people coming in, being eaten by the bed, coming in, being eaten by the bed. There is a scene you see; it's a very brief scene of a girl with black or, or dark brown hair in a coffin holding a silver Bible against her chest. She's obviously breathing, but she's supposed to be dead. At 43 minutes in, we finally realized, oh, this is the girl that was part of the family that lived on this land that the demon seduced and inadvertently killed. And then the, they show the bed one by one going through, you know, her brother, her mom, her dad, like basically just consuming everyone on the property. After we see that, there is a scene of there being an organ in the room the bed was in prior to being in this room. And you can see the hand. It is not even close to being veiled. You can see the hand underneath the organ keys pushing on the keys to make it look like they're being pulled down by an invisible force. Yeah. It's so obvious. Just wanted to bring that up. Cause when so I saw, bad. I literally had to run that back and I'm like, can you see the hand? Oh my God, you can. It's so bad. Okay. Like, they got all, they went through all the trouble to get an organ and didn't get a self-playing organ for the sequence where you need the organ to be playing itself. They make machines specifically to do that. They have made them since the 1870s. They weren't even new. But no... They couldn't get a self-player, they couldn't get a player piano, they couldn't get a player organ, 
what they got was a regular one and tried to hide the fact that someone was pushing keys rather than running cable to the keys and dragging them down and like pulling on the strings. Couldn't even do it that way. Nope. Hand. Oh God in heaven. So if this movie had scored any points by now, it lost them all in that scene. I'm just saying. Again, this is why it hurts me to fucking compliment it. I mean, there are parts when I have to, cause I, I have to be honest, but God. And this is where he starts going into, because the entire thing prompting the going back and seeing all his previous victims is the artist reminiscing about all the rings and jewelry and presents he's gotten from the people that he's eaten. None of which matters for the storyline, with the exception of the first girl and the last girl. Like, the rest of them are just thrown in there just so that you know that the bed has in fact eaten people in the past. And for an indeterminate amount of time. And, and you had to pad the runtime some. No, you didn't. You could have just not made it. Oh, so at about minute 47, we are ca caught up to present day with present day victims. They do show the chain of the woman he, the bed's just consumed, and they do show blood on it, which I actually thought was clever. I noticed that little trick. Like, they actually show that the chain has been bloody, so it's like, okay, so these are, as of time of death, they're not being, like, changed they're just going straight to the artist guy right this is the scene where it starts trying to consume i i don't they don't give her name I, the name's in the credits but they never say it it doesn't matter. um Nothing it's matters. the it doesn't it's the token black character who's actually a kind of a badass but i guess that was the stereotype in 1970s film he's laying in the bed the bed's giving oh, that's, her nightmare that's um diane demean hall but, there we go. The only person to actually become an actor out of this, aside from William Ross. Actually, that makes a lot of sense, because yeah. she's the only one who gave a performance that was actually somewhat decent. They show her in the bed. They show her being tormented, given, you know, nightmares by the bed. And they show Susan, the character that they didn't like, who died first, sitting by the fire reading, as she said she was going to do when they couldn't find her after they came back from going off. Nobody gives a shit. They, she asks what Susan is reading, and she says, it's a book of dead people. I'm in it, and so are you. Again, another point where they made it really creepy. I hate complimenting this film, should, but I have like, to. It was a scene that should have been delivered so well, and it was delivered well for this movie, but mediocrely. But like, it's one of those moments, moments where, oh, this is... You've got great subject matter here, and you're just... You're just dicking it in the dirt. I mean... They could do so much more. They really could. They really did. Again, the premise is really interesting. They had an option. They had options. They did. Uh, anyways, she's saying, it's a book of dead people. I'm in it and so are you. And the first thing we see is just blank pages. Diane's character is like, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, we're not dead. I'm not dead. Neither are you. There's nothing in here. They swap it out for a book that is covered with aluminum sheeting that's what it's made out of and i gotta give credit to the prop department i don't want to but i have to because what it turns into is basically a mirror and as she's flipping through pages it's showing herself again creepy creepy moment practical effect that was done really damn well but was i hate having to go with this the, movie. but was done better in the movie circle of iron four years earlier which I guarantee you somebody involved in this saw. I have I never seen that. that. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a movie, it's a story that was written by Bruce Lee, was actually done by David Carradine after Bruce Lee's death. If you're into martial arts flicks, it's a really good one to check out. But yeah, the, the whole, the, 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 book secret, lies, a mirror and the you... secret lies within and... the book, 
And when you open the book up, you find the book is a, is a series of mirrors. So the secret lies within yourself. Yeah. Much better uh, okay. done in a much better movie that this movie tried to, tried to emulate and failed. Oh, failed. God. Failed. Did I mention failed? Because it failed. Okay. So as she's being given these hallucinations, she tries, she starts climbing out of the bed. And again, the bed do doing something completely different as to what it's done up to this point because we need to do something different because plot maybe starts eating her as she's halfway out of the bed. So you see her legs fall into the bile. You see red paint and it is red paint and it's explicitly red paint. It's 70s. Blood. Yeah, it's red paint. Yes. All the movies um, in the 70s used red paint for blood. Like, it was a thing. Uh, this is where I'm cutting from, because my notes go from 55, 20, which is where the start... 55 is about where the red paint stuff starts, to 58. Those three minutes, we are spent doing nothing but watching her crawl. And admittedly, she does it convincingly that her legs are not working anymore. Crawling across the room in agony. Again, most believable performance we've seen in the entire fucking movie. Yeah, She does um, the slasher movie victim escape crawl away from the killer. In this case, the killer being an unmoving inanimate object. So, but she also can't move, so she has to do it that way. Right. But like, like her, her legs are, like, paralyzed. Yeah, I mean, when somebody is trying to crawl away from Jason or Michael and they're stalking behind them, the tension is you know they're not going to escape because they're moving just slightly slower than the killer. And the tension is how long will it take the killer to get to them? When the thing you're crawling away from has no method of movement, you, you, you probably should be able to outcrawl it so it's not actually building any tension anywhere. It's just making you wonder how long I can take to finish this sentence and not building anything in the process. Everybody tired of this now? Do you get it? Good. That's what that fucking scene was. The reason I timed it exactly at three minutes is because it's three minutes of nothing but that. Ending on her actually getting to the door, which the bed lets open because we've established the bed can telekinetically close and lock doors. He gets the attention of the other, I think her name is Sharon, the other girl that he had an aversion to earlier, and then they figured out, oh, he reminds he reminds you of the girl killed to make you, and now you can eat her, blah, 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 blah. So as soon as it gets her attention, a sheet wraps out, which again, we've never seen happen to this point, wraps around Diane's character and pulls her back into the damn thing's stomach and another two minutes to finish her off because but, Sharon comes in. Which I love. And starts I loved the get over here cheat whip because like to me that was like almost a flashback to creep show one two creep show two the black mm -hmm. mass in the lake Ooh. and the guy escapes it and he's sitting there on the on the lake bed screaming i've beaten you i've beaten you and it flips out of the water to land on him i love when you outthink a killer creature item machine whatever i love when you outthink a killer 
because you make the mistake of thinking that you know all of their tricks, and in the moment where you have beaten them because you have outthought the tricks that you knew they had, you find out they have one other power. Like, it's it's a little bit of, like, Diabolus Ex Mahina, but I love it every time I see it. Okay, so that part actually was not too bad, and I find it interestingly compared to Creepshow 2, which is a movie that wouldn't be out for another 10 years. Right. So at least it didn't rip it off. That's true. Very true. Unlike Circle does that Iron. mean God? Does that mean Creepshow? No. Uh, no. Absolutely, Creepshow did not rip this off either because no one saw this, which I still have to go into. It's a fun story, but we'll get to it when we get done this part. Oh, God. Okay. Again, my notes jump from an hour into an hour five because they've tried to establish to this point that Sharon is running from something. She's young enough to just be like a runaway or something has happened and her brother has to go out and find her, her brother played by Boy Meets World's dad, which is what I'm going to call him from now on. And amazingly, the only thing that they ever establish about her is accidentally making you think that she's possibly autistic. Like, there's a reason why this woman has one acting credit, and it's this movie. I don't know if she is, if they got someone who's actually autistic and had them just sit there and try to act when they weren't capable of it. Or had someone who wasn't capable of acting autistic try to act autistic? I, I literally do not know what was going on with this. But basically, she's just. I don't think. Not I really think she there. says maybe three lines the entire movie. I mean, she says more in the dream sequences than she does in her actual role. Yeah. So her brother eventually finds her and says, like, at least I know where to look, which implies that she's been out this way before. Which, Which is makes no never goddamn sense. Five minutes of her brother's coming in. Now, again, her brother enters this shack where the bed is in, sees her curl up in the corner, almost catatonic. Five minutes of just showing this, and again, no dialogue, no nothing. There's a couple of eyeballs that roll on the bed. That's it. And then he says, three minutes just standing there, didn't see anything happen, didn't see the bed do anything but roll eyeballs around suddenly knows the bed is evil and says, we have to try to pull her out. Who is her? It's not explained. Presumably it's the last person the bed killed, which would be Diane, but he has no way to know that because he wasn't fucking there. Yeah, it's you get the idea that there's an entire scene missing somehow where she explains to him what has happened to her quote-unquote friends and that the bed is doing things and for some reason he just believes it because i mean why wouldn't you believe that a bed eats people so he goes up to the bed and gets on his knees and somehow knows that this bed eats people and has a stomach and decides to plunge his hands into the bed's stomach to try to pull this character out again he says her we're never clarified as to who her is so as he's sitting there moaning apparently in pain kind of maybe we don't know sharon comes over and starts hanging onto his arm because that helps you know instead of actually getting up and trying to pull him out because the bed has him as to which they go for another two minutes showing a very extended scene of his hands at the wrists being dissolved of flesh and blood and muscle and connective tissue to where you end up with these prop store fucking things at the end of his wrist again no screaming no crying no pain no no nothing no nothing nothing at all two minutes later he's up against the wall laying back against the stone kind of where she was and she's laying on her head on his shoulder they show his wrists bleeding because that's where the bone starts 
and he sits there giving commentary about his individual phalanges falling off and landing on the floor. Because if my skin and muscle and sinew had been stripped off my hands by fucking corrosive acid, that's what I would do. Oh, absolutely. I would talk about it. Totally makes sense. 100% behind this decision. Two minutes later, he starts bleeding from the wrists that no longer have anything connected to them. Again, no screaming, no crying, no indication of pain of any kind. No indication of acting of any kind. And he says, I can't deal with this. Like, it's causing him some existential crisis. You're going to have to take them off. Meaning, his sister, who at this point could be half near dead, we don't know because she's not saying anything, takes this awful prop and literally tears it off at the wrist and throws his skeletal hands into the fire. I can't, I can't overstate how little reaction's happening here. There's no cries of pain. There's no groaning. There's no moaning. There's no sweating. There's no anything you would expect a human to do in this situation. None. He's commenting on it like he's fucking watching a National Geographic special. In the next four minutes, the artist realizes the demon is awake, and because the demon is awake, the bed can't take power from his sleeping form, whatever. So now he can reach outside his painting and talk to them. So as her brother is sitting there doing nothing, she goes over to where the artist is and touches the painting that he's behind, and he tells her how to set up a ritual to kill the bed once and for all. And she goes through this for four minutes. And this was by far the most confusing part of the film. Because obviously you want to leave your your audience going, what the fuck did I just see we, at the we, end of we it? We move into film three at this point. We completely move God. into film three. Coming back to an earlier mentioned premise about the demonology aspect of this film. But first time that it's ever actually been important. Aside from... This is how the bed was made. So, and we turn out that the artist has been a little, I lied to you, you're going to have to be sacrificed which, in order to complete the ritual to kill the bed, which, again, we don't care anyways. I don't know why I'm mentioning it. But what happens is that Sharon is caught in a circle of fire as she's cut an outline around the bed. And the girl that was killed in the beginning that made the bed in the first place comes out of her grave and there's an illusion to you need to couple to uncouple the bed from reality. They don't show a damn thing of it, but apparently she has sex with the handless brother at this point, or at least cuddles him. It's, it's again, this is the most unclear part of a movie called Deathbed the Bed That Eats. And, and again, please don't assume that when she comes out of the grave, it's some really cool Sam Raimi effect or really cool The Crow effect. No. It's not. It's the ground that the headstone starts bubbling you see her in the casket, the ground bubbles more, you see her in the casket, the ground bubbles more, she's standing in the room. What the fuck? In the field. She, she doesn't even get to the room because at this point, the bed has magically, through ritual magic, left the cellar it was in and gone outside because oh, that's right. they yeah. Okay, they yeah, so she's you know. just standing there. Like, you don't see any popping out of the ground. You there, There's no cool emo music playing in the background now. It's just... Uh, fine, she's here now. Because okay. she needs to be. Again, most confusing part. So, 
after all was said and done, she's laying there. The demon is presumably awake because we see his eyes, which is the only way we knew he was awake to begin with. The bed explodes, burns, and then we get credits full of names we've never heard to this point. Have no idea who the hell they're supposed to be. And that that's it. That's That's the fucking movie. Yay. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much it. Okay, so as far as why I kept bringing up two different dates... There is a very weird story about this movie and why it I, exists. I can't imagine, but please continue. I'm actually kind of curious. It is the closest thing I've ever heard to a legitimate Mandela effect story ever because it involves a movie being discovered 30 years after it was shot because reels of the film that weren't in the director's possession and he didn't know about got discovered. So here's what happens. 1977, George Barry apparently ran out of drugs somewhere during the middle of post-production and realized that this movie was absolutely god-awful terrible. So he cans it and he just takes the reels and he secures them and life goes on, the 80s happen, the 90s happen, 2000 happens. 2005. An inferior, and I use that term with the deepest level of sarcasm possible, version of this movie cut from dubs of the editing master starts circulating without George Barry's knowledge or consent. Because someone found this movie and decided to show it at film convention. Holy shit. So someone contacts George Barry to let him know that his movie has tens of thousands of fans who have seen it, but they've only seen an inferior version of the film. And does he have the original cinema cut that he was intending to release? And can they show it? At which point he digs the mothballed film out of storage so that the intended cinematic release shot and edited in 1977 appears for the first time at a film convention in the Czech Republic in 2010. I did not expect this film to have that kind of history at all. It, it, I mean, the it's a history that makes as much sense as the film. I'll go with it. So February 11th, 2010, this film gets shown the quote-unquote director's cut gets shown at a film convention in the Czech Republic, at which point people go, wait, the director's cut actually exists. We need to get a copy of it. At which point he gets a production contract, and that's why we have this movie to watch today. I'm not going to say thank you. I, it's an interesting story. I guarantee you there are better lost films that I would wish had this story that we'll never see. It's, it's just, uh, I, the saddest thing about this movie is if I had the money, if I had the money, I swear to you, I would do this. If somebody wants to donate enough money to the channel to make this happen, we will make this happen. I would love to get the rights from George Barry to the concept of Deathbed the Bed That Eats and reshoot this movie as something watchable because there's a hell of a story, a very unique story in this movie that if you'll pardon the expression, this movie shits the bed with. <laughs> now, 
not only would I reshoot this movie, I can't decide which of two versions I would rather see. The modern day retelling of Deathbed the Bend That Eats, or make this a period piece with a gentle nod to the original. Make this a period piece that takes place in the 70s and the bed that eats is a waterbed. And make this an ultra funky throwback retro horror film. Holy shit. Right? That's the movie. That's the movie that this movie needs to be. And this movie isn't even close to being that movie. Oh, God. That would be a hell of a thing, though. I mean, it really would. Right? Do the whole thing over. It's a, it's the 70s. It's a 70s bed. There's a demonic curse put on the bed by somebody that was trying to woo someone. Like, you can still keep all of that part, right? But just make it, instead of involving the demon from the start, just make it a ritual that created the bed. Make it a ritual to uncreate the bed. Get some funky 70s shit in on this. And by making it a waterbed, not only do you explain how the bile can go up and down. Yes, I know waterbeds have, they're, they're in a balloon. It's a skin work with me just a little bit of suspension of disbelief you could also do these really surreal things when people get pulled into the bed because you could do these scenes of people drowning in the bed because it's a water bed instead of a solid hard bed that somehow is a giant pool of yellow water Damn. like there's a really great movie hidden in this movie that is everything <laughs> but a really great movie and if i had a million dollars that's the movie we would do and i get that's billy absolutely. zane in it to get billy zane in it i don't even care if it's a walk-on part like you would do a great movie this could be a phenomenal movie and instead it's terrible i spent this entire movie as a writer coming up with better ways to do the things that I was seeing on screen minute by minute by minute. But because of that, when this movie ended, I had a better movie in my head, start to finish completely written. That's the movie I want. Somebody give uh, us $3 million, please. Sadly, and as much as I would love to, because God, that sounds amazing. We cannot score the film based off its potential. We cannot score based off our head cannons. We cannot score based off what we wish would have happened we must look at the product that was presented to us do we God, have that, to uh, i don't wanna do you have any other tidbits about the film you'd like to share before we start talking scores? aside from the fact that the best part of this movie was the movie i made in my head when i was watching this movie i mean that's really about the best the, the best i can say about this film the best thing i can tell you about this film is that the best part of this movie was the movie I made in my head when I was watching this movie. Yeah, sounds about right. Shit. All right, so, for time, would you like to go into that? Okay, well, for those who don't know, on Don't Watch This Film, we use a rather unique scoring system, lovingly known as the dwtf meter On the dwtf meter every film scores a one. Especially this one. Because <laughs> you really shouldn't watch any of these films. However, the most important thing is one out of what? A one out of one is a perfect film that is somehow grossly overlooked and you need to go watch it right away. A one out of two is a great film that is somehow flawed. A one out of three is a really good example of the genre with really traumatic elements that ruin the film, so forth and so on, all the way down to one out of ten, which is a movie that is absolutely terrible, should never have been made, and we really wish we had back the time that it took to watch it and talk about it. So, with that being said, Tia... Would you like to go first for score, or do you want me to lead off? 
I will go first. Okay. That seems to be a tradition. I feel I feel no reason to break it down now. I am ashamed at the score that I actually picked. Um, oh, are you? But I are are to... you going to do a last minute change to your score? No, the okay. score. Okay, going into this film, I expected it to be a straight up one out of ten, completely okay. unwatchable, ruinous piece of garbage. Nobody needs to have this taking up space in their fucking brain cells. Do I still agree with that? Yes. However, I was impressed enough at the times that they actually did manage to eke out a tiny glimmer of what this film could have been that I can't in good conscience give it a 1 out of 10 as much as I fucking want to because, God, it's right there. But the moments that make sense and the practical effects when they're done excellently and there are times before this movie, they're done excellently. There are times that they are. I have to give this a 1 out of 8. It's still nothing anyone needs to fucking rush out and see, and I would implore you not to, but it's not a 1 out of 10 worthy, in my opinion. And I wish it was, but I can't put it there. I think that's totally fair. Um, For me, in my head, I have, and I don't want to name it, a movie that I use as my 1 out of 10 benchmark. Mm -hmm. And this movie is not that film. This movie does not personally offend me as much as that film. So I don't think it is truly a one out of ten. I'm going to go also with a one out of eight just because at no point did I specifically want to just go, oh, fuck off and turn this film off. Which I think would probably be the hallmark of a one out of nine. Mm -hmm. This is bad. It should feel bad. This piece of garbage came out at the same time George Romero and Hammer Films Limited were making some of the quintessential classic horror of that era that still stand the test of time today. And the thing I feel most horrible for, the thing that is the worst trauma of this movie, is the fact that these poor fucking film reels could have been involved in making one of those movies. And instead, these are the images stuck on them for the rest of time. That is sad. Rest in peace, wasted 35mm film. (laughs) And I am going to say... You deserved so much better. I'm going to say this is is very solidly a benchmark 1 in 8 film. It's done. We now know what 1 in 8 looks like. You can skip it. And yeah, we watched we watched this one like we say in this in the in the intro. We watched this one so that you don't have to. Please don't. If you don't believe us, if you don't think it's that bad, I would suggest that if you really want to waste your time, feel free check out the movie on your own. When you get done, dwtfmailbag at gmail or hit us on Twitter and let us know you were right. I wasted my time. I have no clue what was going on in this thing either. Because I guarantee you what you heard about this film for the last 60-ish minutes is more concrete and comprehensive than the actual film itself. And even we had trouble, so go watch the actual thing if you want. It's I, I found it free on Tubi. Please, for the love of God, do not pay money for this. Yeah, it's on Tubi. Uh, if you check around, you'll find it. I don't remember if I watched it on... Amazon Prime, or if I watched it somewhere like on YouTube or something, the movie's around. Again, this is not a film 
or a director that deserves your 99 cents, please don't give it to them. This is not worth spending money on at all. But if you want to know just about how bad bad can get and you have 90 minutes of your life that you really want to waste, <laughs> go for it. The world's your oyster. Your stanky, stanky oyster. Uh, God. <laughs> so anyway, um, as for our patron shoutouts, and I kind of feel bad that they get stuck with this one, we would like to thank the Chris's Mallory and McCurley for their support on Patreon. Without the support of our patrons, this podcast would not be possible. So thank you very much, gentlemen, for all of your support, for all of your assistance, and for helping us to be able to watch movies far, far better than this one. This one we can watch for free. Not all of them can. So thank you very much for all of your support, which makes it possible for us to do all of this. And again, thank you to everyone on uh, Patreon. Really do appreciate the support. But if Patreon is a little bit outside of your reach, that is perfectly okay. We also have a Twitter at Don't Watch This F. We talk about latest horror news. We have fun memes going on. We post up the patron poll so you know when it's coming and when to vote on it. Even a retweet about one of our show launches can have a massive impact on the show as much as a dollar can. So if you have social media but don't necessarily have the money, you can absolutely support us for free and we appreciate you just the same thank you so much all right so now that we have all of this out of the way now that we are done with this absolute disaster of a film next week <laughs> would you say tia that it's fair to say that next week's little film compared to this one is a bucket of gold i would say it is absolutely a bucket of gold and the luck of the Irish is far more with it. Yay! Well, this deathbed definitely did not have any luck. None, a lot of hunger. <laughs> not a lot of luck. But that will be next week. Definitely next week. But until then, thank you all for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this episode. We hope you have enjoyed this episode far more than we enjoyed bringing it to you because fuck this film in particular. But we are still glad that we brought you the podcast. We have enjoyed we enjoy discussing things for you, and we enjoy watching things so that you don't have to, so that you know how bad this is. And should any of your friends ever say, I've seen the worst movie ever, and you can go, have you ever seen Deathbed, the bed that eats? And then you can tell them just about how bad this thing is that they've never seen. So, until next week, I am W. Adam Clark. My name is Tia, and until you hear from us again, don't watch this film. Oh, fuck, don't watch this one. Please don't. Just don't. don't just don't. 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 Don't watch this film.